Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. It's my way or the highway, Jack. God is not going to give favor to that. He won't. Malachi 2 and 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. What are these tears about? Well, in the context of Israelites intermarrying with pagan women, it's likely these are tears of the men who divorced their Israelite wives to marry pagan women, but they wanted to keep their sin, but they still tried to gain God's favor at the altar. They discovered God would not accept or regard or receive their offering, so now they're crying about it. Hello, what do you expect? Living like the devil and you still want God to take your offering like that? Forget about all the Israelite women who cried their own tears. No, what about my tears? God, where's my favor? Selfish. That just burns you up, doesn't it? <laughs> Hypocrisy. God would not accept their offering. Malachi 2 and 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Wow, God's really sticking it to him. That's your wife, man. That is your wife. Stop acting like that. That's your wife. (laughs) I can just (laughs) feel the tone. Here's the picture the Lord is trying to show these corrupted people. They were not regarding the marriage covenant that they had with their wives. Therefore, they truly were not regarding the relationship covenant that they had with God either. Do y'all see that? I'm telling you, people demonstrate what they think about God with how they think about their spouse. What they think vertically is going to come out horizontally. The Israelites had a spiritual insensitivity that kept them from knowing what the problem was. And so they said, for what reason? What are we doing? For what reason? They were asking God, what reason do you not accept our offerings anymore? And the Lord said that he had been right in the middle between them, between them and their wives, as they dealt treacherously with their first wife, who is your wife by covenant. She's your wife. Married people and single people, everybody. Understand that marriage is a covenant. It is a binding promise. God is telling these clueless people, I am bound to you. I'm bound by covenant to you. That he will keep it. He will keep the covenant. But if you are going to adamantly stand against this covenant, then buddy, you are out of here. 
That's what he's doing to the corrupt priests. He fired them. The people had lost their understanding of what covenant with God is all about. Friends, I want us to understand what covenant with God is, what it's like. And so their corruption had become so severe that it started to show through in their marriage covenants too. Dumping their wives off as worthless, just like they had done to God. Dumped him off as worthless. Friends, if anybody ever called you worthless, what would you do? You'd probably bow up and tell them, no, I'm not. Well, guess what? God's not worthless, and your wife is not worthless either. Malachi 2 and 15, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Making them one. When a man and woman marry, they become one, one flesh. God's prophet Malachi, in our story here in the text, was contrasting the Lord's total faithfulness to Israel with the marital unfaithfulness that the Israelites had demonstrated through the sin of intermarriage. He's giving them this comparison to look at how you're being and how I have been to you. He wanted them to be a remnant of the Spirit. In other words, he would fill them with his Spirit. You can see that God really desires closeness and unity with Israel. That's why he warned, take heed to your Spirit. Take heed to your Spirit. In other words, guard yourself in your Spirit. And do not, because you guard yourself in your Spirit, then Therefore, do not deal treacherously with your wife. To my friends out there, my married friends, your spouse, you may hate their guts. And you feel like you're so wonderfully saved by God. You're the good guy. How you treat your spouse is a reflection of how you treat God. No, it's not, Ray. You're just, uh uh Listen to the story. Stay with me. He wanted them, God wanted them to have such strong marital unity that would display the strong spiritual unity that they should be having with God. Strong spiritual unity, strong marital unity. It goes in parallel. This would produce a godly offspring, a godly line of God-fearing, God-obeying, and God-honoring, a God-honoring line of people. That's the whole problem here. They were not honoring God. God is going to clean house and set the honor back right. God does not deal treacherously with us. Treacherously, what does that mean? He doesn't lie to us. He does not deceive us. He does not betray us. God does not deal treacherously with us. And so he expects his people to be the same with each other in their marriages and with him. You know, there's a lot of people, they claim to love God, but they hate their spouse. If you love God for real, then you will love your spouse for real. If you claim to be in good covenant with God, then you need to demonstrate good covenant with your wife. Malachi 2 and 16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Guys, because of the fact that I did not write this, God did. I'm going to say it again. The Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. I'm so glad he, he says, says the Lord of hosts. 
Not says Ray Jensen. Says the Lord of hosts. The God of Israel said this, not me. (laughs) Now, friends, I know that divorce is a sensitive topic. God hates it. And so I'm not going to try to expand on this point about divorce. I'm just going to let God's word speak for itself on this subject right now. But what I do want to do is ask a simple question when it concerns divorce. If God says he hates something, then shouldn't we stay as far away from it as possible? There's a lot of divorce in the world today. If God says he hates something, shouldn't you get as far away from it as you can? Don't even be thinking in that direction. Get away from it. God hates it. Wow. If your marriage is in trouble, if you're considering divorce, then would you consider one thing? If God would remain faithful in a covenant with the unfaithful, then why can't we do the same? We certainly can. Well, Ray, it's a lot more complicated than you're making it out to be. Yeah, well, it's a lot simpler than you are making it out to be. Do you realize where it would leave all of us if God did not remain faithful to his covenant promises? Do you know where we would be right now if he didn't? We would all be in hell right now. We serve a good God. Aren't you glad that God remains faithful to his covenant promises? God was faithful while Israel was the one that was being unfaithful. Yet God is still pleading with Israel right here in Malachi 2. He's still pleading with them that he wants to be united to them. Who, who, who does such a thing? God does. He's trying to be united with those who lied to him, with those who profaned his name, with those who cheated on him with other false gods, and with those who called him cheap. And he still wants to be with people like that. God forgives. The Lord God forgives. Nobody forgives like God. Aren't you glad? He wants to be united to Israel. Malachi 2 and 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or, where is the God of justice? Those are the things they were saying. Israel had started acting as though there was no God to believe in or no hope from him at all. And this way of thinking and speaking wearies the Lord. It says, you have wearied him. It tires him out having to hear it. You ever have somebody just nya, 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 nya in your ear and it just wears you out? Because it's not healthy. It's negative. You, you just, I can't, I can't take it anymore. That's God saying, I don't like this kind of talk. He doesn't want to hear it. And again, the Lord used a question and answer method to engage them when they said, in what way have we wearied him, they asked. And so he, the Lord answers by using one of their statements that choose in his ear. Now, friends, I know you like to, you, you, any of you like to go to the work and, and you take post-it notes and you put a verse on it and stick it up on the, the board or a, a file cabinet or something for people to, to read. I want to ask you, please do not use Malachi 2.17. <laughs> Don't use Malachi 2.17. Because if you read it all by itself, it says, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Don't use that verse. It'll mess people up. This is one of those non-plucker verses. Don't pluck it. Don't pluck that verse out. John 3.16 is one of those verses that stands alone very well by itself. But Malachi 2.17 does not. Don't put that one up. Be aware of the context. 
This statement here, everyone who does evil is good in the eyes of the Lord. This is what the people were saying. The corrupted, messed up people, they were saying that. They were saying that, and it wearied God's ears because it's a false statement. So do not post this verse unless you're going to put the whole chapter with it. In the context here, the people asked, in what way have we wearied God? And the answer to that question is that they had been saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. In other words, people were wondering, why, why, why are those who do wickedness, why are they prospering so well? You ever look out in the world and see the people that are just flat evil and wonder why are they doing so good? The problem is people have this messed up concept that if you're rich, God must love you more, which is not true. And people still think like this today. I'm rich. God must love me, even though they're living in sin. And where it says, where is the God of justice? There were many less fortunate people who were suffering. You got your rich people. Well, well you know, God must love the, those that do wickedness. He must find favor with them. But the people that were hurting way down at the bottom, they denied that the justice of God even existed or that God even cared. And so that's why, where's the God of justice? You've got both sides of society here, what they were saying, from the rich to the poor. They're either, either saying that, you know, God loves those that it finds favor with those doing wickedness or where's his justice? I don't see it. Those are different people from different sides of the spectrum. That's what they were saying. And so the people asked, in what way have we weird the Lord? They questioned God's justice, saying that he delights in evil people when, in fact, they were the guilty ones who had not yet learned to place their faith in him, even though he is the one that had taken them out of Egypt. They got it all backwards. They're questioning God. God's asking, no, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Let's get right before the Lord, guys. I want us to look back at verse 2, or to think back at verse 2, where the Lord says he will put a curse on the corrupt priest to clean out the temple. And he says in verse 3, he will spread refuse on their faces, and one will take you away with it. That refuse was the parts of the animal that were taken away outside the camp, outside the camp, to be destroyed, to be taken outside of the camp, to be done away with, was the ultimate judgment upon wickedness. I want to show you Hebrews thirteen eleven. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Oh, that's good. That is good. Friends, earth is not my home. I'm looking forward to my inheritance in heaven with the Lord. Do not let this world trick you into thinking that God finds favor with the way wicked people are just because they seem to be doing really well for themselves. Riches is not a measure of a man. And those who are suffering, don't let your trials deceive you into thinking that God's justice is nowhere to be found. I think a lot of people get caught up in this very snag right here because they just cannot seem to find a way to make this world comfortable. 
Friends, we're not supposed to get comfy down here. We're not supposed to make things nice down here. We're supposed to be looking ahead, bearing the same reproach that Jesus had. That's what we have down here. We're supposed to be looking ahead. God had spread the foul, disgusting refuse of our sin onto Jesus Christ, and he was taken away with it outside the camp, outside the walls of Jerusalem where he died on a cross so that his covenant with his people may continue. Joshua 21 and 45 says, Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. All of it. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? He keeps them. All of them. Let me show you another promise that he will keep. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's another promise of God that he will keep with you. If you enter that covenant. Notice it says, if you confess, that indicates some people won't get right before your Lord. Now, the covenant Jews, they are a royal priesthood to God, according to 1 Peter 2.9, a royal priesthood. And if we Gentiles are grafted into them through Jesus, that makes us priests too. We do priest work. Did you know that? We're the temple. We offer up sacrifices of praise. We do sacrifices through giving. We do priest work. And so as priests, we should not be dealing treacherously with each other. That's what the world is telling people to do. You just turn on the TV, and that's treachery 101 right there. They're teaching people how to deceive one another, how to lie to each other, how to cut each other down, accuse. Oh, I found a fault in you. I'm going for it. Ooh, look at you, that fault you have on you. That's what the world's learning to do. Let's remember Malachi 2, verse 7. The lips of a priest should keep knowledge, for he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. That's what we should be doing. As the Lord's priest today, we should be careful to speak godly knowledge to others, build them up. Because we should also remember, did God's judgment start with the people first? Or with the priests first? Where did it start? It started with the priests. Verse 1 in our, in our chapter says, And now, O priests, who did it start with? Everybody else or the priests? First Peter 4 and 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin, begin at the house of God. That's right here, guys. That's us. Don't be shaking your finger at everybody out there. It starts here with the believer of Messiah Jesus. We come first. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That's a sense of responsibility we have to the lost. If you think it's bad on us, what do you think is going to happen to those that reject the gospel? Do you see the responsibility that we believers have towards others? Don't let this world corrupt your mind into thinking it's about you. God will take care of you. Meanwhile, we're supposed to be out there sharing the gospel. Corrupted minds are those who live in willful, miserable sin while they cover the altar of the Lord with their tears because they can't figure out why God will not regard or receive their offerings of his favor anymore. 
You know people that do that? I was one for a long time. Live like the devil, but why is God not blessing me? And so, friends, there's a really easy fix for all of this. <laughs> it's real simple. And I'm going to show it to you as another promise that God will keep. Acts 2 and 21. And it shall come to pass, there's your guarantee, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You ever know, You notice that shall is in that passage twice? It's on both sides of the promise. It shall before the promise and it shall after the promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the fix. I know we sound like we're, we're complicated, messed up things, and we are. But there's a very easy fix. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. Father God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord God, for Malachi 2. Lord, you directed that at the Jewish priest. But Lord God, I, I feel a ton of application on me. I have done so wrong. I started stealing. I started cheating, lying, and deceiving in my sin. And I dealt treacherously with other people. That is in my history. Nothing I can do about it now. I did it. But Lord, instead of wiping the refuse on me, you put it on Jesus Christ. Instead of taking me outside to do away with me, you took Jesus outside and crucified him so that I could be saved. Lord, forgive me for trying to make earth comfortable. Forgive me for trying to make it comfy down here. Lord, let us who believe then go to him outside the camp. We're not going to look like the rest of the world outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. And so, Lord, for all your people who are listening to this message, they're facing disgrace and it hurts. It hurts and it's confusing. Lord, let us understand that this is the same disgrace that you bore. And so as we face it, Lord, we should really be joyful about it because that means we're with you. Teach us, Lord, to have a right perspective of where we stand, that when we face that trouble and people insult us and call us names, treating us with, as contemptible and worthless, but we're not, is you died for us. Lord God, help your people understand the closer they get to Jesus, the more disgrace the world is going to try to throw on us. But we are not to evaluate where we stand according to the world. We evaluate where we stand according to where you say we are, according to covenant promise. Thank you, Lord God, for covenant promise and your gift of salvation with those of us who were unfaithful, cheated on you, ran out dumped you while you stayed faithful to us. Lord, those of us who are married, may we demonstrate that through our marriages to those who don't understand. Show them who God is, a faithful God. Help us with that because it's not easy. Father, I have sinned, I have messed up, but you saved me through Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you for that. For those of you who want to give your life to Christ and, and, and become saved and get this eternal life, Give your life to Jesus. Say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me for all the things I did against your name and profaned you. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for taking the refuse upon you so that it doesn't stay on me. Thank you for saving me eternally. I give it to you, all of it, my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.